2: This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching.
1: You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jake Wisco, along with your other host, James Rapine. Today, we are starting the show by evaluating if it were to become available, how attractive is the Cincinnati Bengals head coaching position? And there will be a lot of jobs out there this year. There are a lot of coaches that will be turning over as it kind of always happens in the NFL, but this year it feels like maybe a third of the league is going to need new head coaches. So it'll be very interesting to see the coaching carousel this off season. We're going to start the show there and then dive into the midweek mailbag. We take your questions. We're into December. Now the first mailbag of the month, as we start to get into the final quarter of the 2020 NFL season, start to wind down, get toward that off season The questions are starting to reflect that, and in that same vein, James the Bengals off today, let's talk about how attractive this position is if Zach Taylor is not retained, which right now we have no reason to believe that would be the case, but let's just talk about it as a hypothetical. James, the jobs that could be available this offseason include the Detroit Lions head coaching position, the Atlanta Falcons coaching position, Houston Texans, obviously we know, the Jets are likely to be looking for a new head coach. The Jaguars are likely to be looking for a new head coach. Throw the Bengals into that mix with any other teams that give us some surprising or less than surprising choices to move on this offseason. And it's going to be a competitive market for head coaches this offseason. It is.
0: And that, that's the the tough part for the Bengals, because six weeks ago, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you would have said, Well, Zach Taylor is going to underachieve in the second half of the season, but it's okay because you have Burrow. It's an attractive position. You have that franchise quarterback under his rookie deal for three more seasons and then the fifth year option. That instantly makes it an attractive job. Unfortunately, now you have the Burrow injury, which matters. You have a, a bunch of jobs that are going to be open with either franchise quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson or are going to potentially be open with top picks, you know, the first overall pick with the Jets, second overall pick with the Jaguars. And so those are guys that could be walking into Trevor Lawrence, could be walking into Justin Fields. And so I don't know if Burrow's enough now to, to be enticing enough to 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 win and, and get. Everyone talks about Eric Bienemy. If you're Eric Bienemi, are you sure you pick the Bengals over the Jaguars? Are you sure? Because the Bengals play in the AFC North. It's arguably the best division in football Uh, outside of the NFC West. It certainly is the best division in football. And if you can go to the South, I think you might have a better shot to win much sooner. And and so that's that's the reality here. And I'm not saying that should factor in because it shouldn't when it comes to keeping Zach Taylor or not. But it is a factor when you talk about these other teams that are going to have legitimate cases to be made and are going to be attractive to the top coaching candidates.
2: And that doesn't even mention, for example, the Los Angeles Chargers, where Anthony Lynn may or may not be wearing out his welcome with a quarterback that at this point, Herbert's the likely rookie of the year. And if that job becomes available for all of the dysfunction and issues in Cincinnati that may also exist in Los Angeles, I'm not sure what people think of the front office there, but that is a team that has struggled to find success even with Philip Rivers for a long time that couldn't win in the postseason it's a, it's got some some parallels to the Bengals job and it doesn't necessarily draw the the best uh fan following despite being in LA I, I even think that with a healthy quarterback is is competitive with what's going on in Cincinnati because the thing that you've always got to weigh against in Cincinnati is a very not modern front office is going to require more personnel work from their coaches, a family owned business, the mom and pop shop feel of Paul Brown stadium of, of the Paul Brown descendant family, the Blackburns and Mike, and how much of that is going to put off potential coaching candidates. I'm not sure it's really been an issue for them in the past. I mean, in the past they've largely gone in house. So, Would they just promote Darren Simmons? Will this even get to an open market if they do move on from Zach Taylor? And again, to reiterate, no indication that will be the case, but there are a lot of things that potentially make this Bengals job unattractive and makes it a little bit difficult. Now, the right candidate might come along and say, I want to have that input in personnel decisions. That's something that is part of my head coaching style. That might be a plus for some coaches, but the fact remains that, you know, Jack Del Rio, for example, I don't know if this was a Taylor thing or a Bengals thing. The Bengals have put off some coaches in recent history.
0: Oh, it could have been both. I, I, I don't know which one it is. You can't say for sure. Um, but you're right. That that has been the case. And look, if Lou Anarumo gets elected at the end of the year, and again, speculating, but if so, then Jack Del Rio is right, potentially. Because, you know, if you only have a job for two years and you have a bunch of injuries and you have an aging defense last year and, you know, there's so many factors that have gone into that. But you can certainly look at the the reason side of things for Anarumo and see why the defense has struggled at times. But that's the key here is the organization just going all in on winning. And, and they certainly dipped their toe in it or, or their whole foot in it when it came to free agency. I think they do want to win. I I don't really question that, even though people do. But if this job comes open, and it doesn't even have to be this offseason, Jake, if it's next offseason, the same thing is going to come up. Are they going to go all in on winning and put all their chips on the table and try to do everything they can to build around Joe Burrow? That has to be their goal. And hopefully that's what they do moving forward.
2: I think there's certainly the will they do what they need to do to win? But then there's always the questions with the Bengals of will they modernize? Will they do things the way the coaches or the coaching candidates want things to be done? Remaining to be seen, you know, how much they're really modernizing with Taylor. They obviously spent a bunch of money this offseason. They spent a lot of money on some facility renovations. But how much are they willing to give? And maybe that's part of why. We don't see the Bengals move on from coaches too quickly, especially external coaches. And they've been doing that for a while now. They, they were, before Marvin Lewis came around, came along, almost all of the Bengals head coaches were promoted from within for, for a very long time between the 70s and, and the late 90s, early 2000s. So it'll be interesting to see which trend prevails if, if they do try to move on from Zach Taylor. And again, the third time I'm going to say this, Currently, no indication from the Bengals, according to insiders, according to just reading between the lines, that that they are preparing to move on from Zach Taylor. But with the results being what they are, it's just constantly a topic of conversation. Speaking of topics of conversation, the Bengals being off practice today means there's very little news to give you. They did sign Kevin Hogan to the practice squad, but outside of that, we're going to take your questions for the rest of the show, and that is coming up next in the midweek mailbag. Speaking of Zach Taylor, the Bengals really need to whip it into shape. You can't win four games in two years. They got to win some games. And if you would also like to whip yourself into shape, I would like you to check out Echelon Fit, the evolution of fitness. They've got an army of world-class instructors. They've got thousands of live and on-demand studio level classes every day to go along with their state of the art and affordable equipment. You can check out a Reflect Mirror just doing some calisthenics in front of the mirror in a guided class from the comfort of your home. They've got rowers, they've got a treadmill, they've got what you need to get that connected fitness at an affordable price, whether it's staying in shape or getting in shape echelon fit can get you there. And unlike their competitors, I've mentioned this very affordable stuff and one membership lets up to five family members work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com NFL to check out their inventory. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com NFL.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: James, it's time for my favorite time of the week. A day that starts in two and ends in day. It's a midweek mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we're going to get started. As has become a bit of a tradition, we'll see how long this holds. As long as she keeps sending us questions, I guess we'll keep taking them. Commissioner Yaz James has two questions for us today. One of them about the Bengals and one of them about a very special time in December. The first question, James... Do you think Mackenzie Alexander will be back in Cincinnati next season?
0: I do. I do. I think that there's a decent chance that they, they look at him and they're like, all right, let's 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 sign him to a, a two- to three-year deal now. There are some qualifiers. Do they sign William Jackson to a long-term deal? You know, if they do that and it isn't just the franchise tag because I think they're going to have to tag either Lawson or Jackson, then they're going to – probably have invested as much as they want to invest into the cornerback position from a free agent standpoint. And then you try to find minimum type deals uh, or, or uh, you know, a rookie, uh, you know, a second, third round nickel corner that you can start from that aspect. The Darius Phillips type that's still on his rookie contract. So that's probably what they do if Jackson gets a long term deal. But if they just franchise him, then you might want to keep Alexander around for a couple of seasons. And, and I think he's fine. I don't think he. I'd break the bank for him but I'd be open to him sticking around.
2: That's a complicated one. I, I think that he has some reasons to stay in Cincinnati. He's close with Trey Waynes. They were together in Minnesota. They came to Cincinnati together. I think that that could be a, a small factor for him. I think the biggest factor is always money. And I think for Mackenzie Alexander, it would be wise for him to see if he can get paid on the free agent market. That being said, he's not having his best season. He was a little bit better in Minnesota. The Bengals actually... According to PFF, anyway, got a little bit of a downgrade going from Dark Denard, who was very good in his last year in Cincinnati. I'll point out to Mackenzie Alexander, who I mostly saw as a side grade kind of transaction. He's just a a fine slot corner. And I think it can continue to be a fine slot corner. But that open market value for him last offseason was about four million dollars. He got just under four million dollars on a one year deal. Sorry, it was exactly four million dollars. His cap number, for some reason, is fifty thousand dollars less, so that confused me. But if it's around that number, you don't really blink. Like that's very affordable for a player who's going to play, you know, seventy percent of your defensive snaps. He has missed a little bit of time for injury, but has been generally durable, and he's he's doing all the things that you would like to see a slot corner do at a high enough level. Where if they want to bring him back, I'm not blinking. The other question from Commissioner Yaz James What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> oh, I like this one. Look at Yaz coming through.
0: Um, I want a new left knee for Joe Burrow. That's what I want. And, and no more, in all seriousness, no more serious injuries to number nine uh, for the rest of his career. Let, let's do that. I, I have everything I need. I'm good. I don't need anything. But Joe needs no more serious injuries because you know what I don't want? Jake, I don't want ten years from now or fifteen years from now to have the same conversation we have about the 05 team. Oh man, if if he hadn't gotten hurt, I, I don't. I want to know what the Joe Burrow story is, regardless of that. And and I don't want any qualifiers. And I, I don't think that there has to be after a, a season-ending injury in a, as a rookie. But but I hope we don't get there. I don't want to look back and say what if. So what about you, Jake? I'm sure you have something really cool that you want for Christmas on that list for Santa.
2: You know, if, if you're getting your wish for Christmas, which is Joe Burrow, uh, a persistent bill of health for his NFL career, I'll let you have that one. As long as somebody's getting that one, I'll give that one to you. And and I will ask for Zach Taylor to turn into Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan. Either one. <laughs>
0: All right, man. It, Santa isn't a miracle worker, my no. man. I, I asked for a clean bill of health, not a, <laughs> not a crazy transformation. I mean, Zach Taylor could get Echelon, Built Bar, and a, any of the other locked-on Pepsi, and I'm not sure it's going to be enough to, to transform into Kyle Shanahan.
2: Look, I think both of our Christmas <laughs> wishes are pretty out there, but uh, I really hope both of them happen more than anything and i like that we have done a good job of, of theming this to the cincinnati bengals i'm I'm honestly surprised though that you didn't go with the ps5 nintendo switch baby it's I a movement switch.
0: nintendo switch all these new generation systems and the switch is like hey i'm still number one it's like belichick and brady anyways uh mccoy next question from mccoy says, why don't the Bengals now and in the past use people such as Giovanni Bernard or John Ross as a punt return man or even Brandon Wilson? If These guys make plays, put the ball in their hands, right? Pitt did so with Antonio Brown in the past, and so did Philly with Deshaun Jackson.
2: I think that is a good question, and especially when you mention Gio, and maybe the Bengals would have done it with Gio if Mixon hadn't gone down. Gio did have some punt return experience back at UNC. I am also a little bit sick of watching Alex Erickson watch punts bounce in front of him and then take a 20-yard roll from the 30-yard line to the 10-yard line, costing the team a bunch of field position. But in Alex Erickson's defense, he did almost win the game for the Bengals on Sunday with that kickoff return that put them nearly in field goal range before, well, Brandon Allen happened, and so... I guess, you know, not necessarily the best time to be tearing ripping on uh, Alex Erickson. I do want to, however, pronounce your entire name here. This is at pull my pants up is on Twitter. And James, you said the first part McCoy, aka 56 snap, snap hot, snap hot. There yeah, see, that's why I just said McCoy. Well, you got to give the people the respect they, they deserve and, and say the whole Twitter name. In case, you know, maybe somebody's listening to like, I'm going to go follow this guy because I really like that question. And now follow people don't know where to find him. Who? The the McCoy, a.k.a. 56 <laughs> hot. <Snap-Hot. laughs> it's a Christmas miracle you were able to say it that quick.
0: <laughs> um, I, Yeah, I think as far as Giovanni Bernard's concerned, trying him back there would make a lot of sense when Mixit comes back. Trying anything. Like, that's the thing. Over the next five weeks, we should see some – Anything to try to generate a spark, uh, including maybe a, some kind of fake return or throwback pass or something like that. Like You're going to have to get creative if you're the Bengals. As far as John Ross, I don't know if we're going to see him again this season. He's on injured reserve right now. And Brandon Wilson, I'm fine with him on just kickoffs, but can he get an end around? Put that man in on offense. Give him some touches on offense. What do you think, Jake? Touches on offense.
2: It's like so far from my list of priorities for things that the Bengals should try. I I can't bring myself to care about that one so much. But that is a great segue for our next question. It comes from at grill underscore Meister on Twitter. Frequent asker of questions, I think, in our mailbag. Welcome back to the mailbag, sir. Since the season is basically over, his words, not mine, but I mean, also that's true. What would you be watching? to see if a player should or well earn a spot to stick around for next year. Basically, James, the people need a reason to keep watching games this season. There's five games to go here, right? Five? Yeah. Why should they keep watching the Bengals?
0: Well, there's a a bunch of reasons when you want to talk about development and, and players that could be... Parts of the future obviously a guy like T Higgins you want to see him continue to develop I think Jonah Williams It's a critical stretch from him uh, Or for him after that that stinger that kept him out for a few weeks. He obviously struggled last week Hey, you got five games now to show you're that left tackle You're that dude because the uh, entire damn city is talking about Pene suel and and so this is a way for you to show that the the Bengals left tackle position is and by the way, I'm not saying regardless of how he plays that they shouldn't draft Sewell. But if you're Jonah, this is a a chance for you to show that you are the guy that the Bengals drafted with that 11th overall pick and that they picked right. Um, and I certainly feel that way. But still, this is a chance for him to to prove that and show everyone that even though he doesn't have a guy like Burrow who's going to make him look better at quarterback, and there are other guys too at a multitude of positions. Linebacker, I, I want to see growth from the young linebackers. I think that running back, look, Joe Mixon is still on injured reserve. Giovanni Bernard, we know what he is. What about Travion Williams? Can I get a, a see him touch the ball at all? And this isn't as much as uh, the reasons to watch is I hope the Bengals give you that chance to watch Williams because maybe he can be their backup running back next season. We don't know. And and so that, that's part of it too, is seeing some of these young guys that we haven't seen or haven't seen enough of, and who knows, maybe Akima Deneji uh, we'll get another start at some point here and we'll get a, another look at him because th- they do have young guys that are interesting. And, uh, th- that's a big reason why you want to watch them down the stretch.
2: They'll probably keep shuffling on the offensive line too. You might see Hakeem Adenergy at guard. You might see Bobby Hart at guard. I mean, obviously watching Jesse Bates is always worth it. I think that you could want to continue to watch T Higgins. How's he going to finish his rookie season? A.J. Green, is he, is he going to do anything down the stretch to make the Bengals feel like he's worth the money that it would take to bring him back? There are things to watch for, but it has to be done with a focus on the future, and part of that could be evaluating the coaches as well in whatever way you choose to do so. Coming up next, James, we got some questions to finish up in this week's Midweek Mailbag. Jake and I discuss the number
0: one protein bar on the planet all the time. And that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. Because Bilt Bar, if you haven't had them yet, you have to go to BiltBar.com and try them out right now. They come in 18 delicious flavors, whether it's caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, peanut butter, mint brownie, which is my personal favorite, toffee, almond, double chocolate. They have something for everyone. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part about them, it isn't their amazing taste. It's the macros. They fit your macros. They're packed with protein, low in sugar, perfect for you as you work on that 2021 summer bod. And right now, you're going to save money by ordering the number one protein bar on the planet. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED ON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off at builtbar.com.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Let's keep things rolling with the midweek mailbag, Jake. Our next question comes from Gary. He asks, in retrospect, should Cincy have taken the trade down in the 2020 draft with Miami that was proposed I love Burrow, but this team wasn't ready to compete even with a franchise quarterback, it seems. And I think what he's referring to is the, the idea that Miami would trade their three first-round picks in the 2020 NFL draft in exchange for that top selection.
2: So if we're going full hindsight here, which you can obviously never realistically do, like nobody can predict that Joe is going to get hurt. Nobody can predict that Justin Herbert is going to be good to start his rookie season in the NFL when people thought that he was going to need some time to develop. But given that we're doing this silly, not silly, I think this is an interesting question, but it's just not the way the world works. You have perfect information looking back. So that means you can trade back and in that fifth pick, we know that the Bengals would have gone with Justin Herbert there. We know that they liked Herbert more than Tua. And Herbert's been good in the NFL. The next pick for Miami came at 18. They took Austin Jackson. Four picks later, Justin Jefferson went to the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL period. All right, so that's who I'm taking at 18. The Dolphins' next pick was at 30. They traded back with the Green Bay Packers from 26. So if you really like a linebacker, you stay at 26 and you take one of them in Jordan Brooks or Patrick Queen, or you, you move down. And again, given that we're playing with hindsight here, you take Michael and Wendy there who's a sixth-round draft pick, who's been the best rookie offensive lineman in the NFL. Then at 32, a couple picks later, maybe you still take T. Higgins. Maybe you take Antoine Winfield. Maybe you take uh, Chase Claypool, who's been fantastic for Pittsburgh. Maybe you take Xavier McKinney, who hasn't really played very much for New York. Maybe you take Michael Walker, a fourth-round rookie linebacker who's standing out for Atlanta. Maybe you take Antonio Gibson, and and you don't re-sign Joe Mixon. So many different ways you can go. And so the question becomes, would you rather have Joe Burrow or would you rather have Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, and Michael and Mwenu, the best rookie offensive lineman in the 2020 draft class? Which would you rather have between those two things?
0: I mean, if, if it's that and those guys are as good as they look now, it's a no-brainer, right? Because you're talking not only franchise quarterback, but franchise-wide receiver and franchise offensive lineman. So no-brainer. Now, at the same time here, and this is the part of it that we don't know, and, and just to, to push back almost, they're not really push back on you, just to push back on the hindsight. Let's say the, the Bengals had said, no, you know what? We're going to take Damon Arnett, the cornerback that was a reach at 19 for the Raiders, but they really liked him. Or maybe we do take Austin Jackson or uh, Caleb on chase on like it's it sounds really good. The Justin Jefferson pick. But honestly, just looking at who's there, I wouldn't be surprised if if they had that 18th pick, if they would have taken like a Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, Patrick Queen out of LSU, who fell to the late 20s. Like, look at how they prioritize linebacker. So I'm not sure if it would have been. Jefferson even though I would have loved that pick and I was high on him before the draft so that's the other part of it here is again of course they could have gotten it right and there's a scenario where if Herbert pans out it would have been a no-brainer but one he still has to continue to pan out and two we have no idea who they were going to take with those picks and that's that's the difficult part but no doubt your scenario which is obviously the best case scenario is one that I think a lot of fans would uh, sign up for even if it meant trading that number one pick, knowing what we know now.
2: I mean, it's cherry picking. So there's that aspect of it. Right. And you can't like that's not how the NFL draft works. You don't have the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, you don't know. Maybe Justin Herbert doesn't doesn't go off in Cincinnati the way that he's been pretty good out in Los Angeles. And I, I still think that Justin Herbert is going to be a very streaky quarterback. I think that there will be Some pretty high peaks, some pretty low valleys in his quarterbacking in the NFL. He did not have a very good game against Buffalo. I don't know how he would fare against the much better pass rushes he would face in the AFC North than he's facing in the AFC West. So there are a lot of questions, even if you make those picks, as to how they would work out in Cincinnati. it's no guarantee that they would be the same players they are today. Michael and Wenu, would he be the same offensive lineman under Jim Turner as he is under Bill Belichick's staff in New England, nah, I am skeptical. So even even with the perfect picks, uh, I, I, you don't know what's going to happen. So that's what makes this question always impossible. But you can draw up scenarios either way that make it seem like it will be clear to answer it one way or the other. In the Calavon chase on, I mean, the more
0: I think about it, like that would be tempting. You know, you get an edge rusher, <laughs> they desperately need one at 18 and then uh, you know you're able to get a receiver later or get more defensive help or whatever but uh, the reality is you're right there's a reason they picked Burrow it's because they thought he was most equipped and I think we, we've seen it like it's proven he was most equipped to lead this franchise in this moment uh, in, in the situation he was given and we've seen it and we saw it and I'm not going to let in uh, a devastating injury or Zach Taylor's lack of head coaching expertise get in the way of that
2: lack of head coaching expertise. That's, that's quite a turn of phrase. Our next question comes from a, a new day, dusty <laughs> at dusty balls. 8 linebacker was such a big concern for so long, but where would you rank that position now, James? I guess in terms of like, where is it in your list of concerns for me? I mean, very low, but how about you? Oh. Really low. I mean,
0: from a defensive standpoint, I'm more interested in defensive tackle, defensive end, obviously cornerback, even even safety to a degree. Like, you're probably going to add what a a linebacker. Let's just say Josh Bynes doesn't come back. You're going to probably add a linebacker. Maybe you want it to be a veteran, but it's more of a veteran that isn't playing much so you can get these young guys on the field. Um, so, So if I had to rank it on defense... Is it last? It's probably last because I think the safety depth is almost more important. Finding that, you know, third safety potentially with with Sean Williams. He's probably going to depart after uh, this offseason or in this offseason. And then offensively, it's it's offensive line obviously is ahead of that. I think wide receivers ahead of that running back isn't. But even backup quarterback is this offseason going to be ahead of linebacker. So it is low on the
2: list. Man, we talked about linebacker for so long and everyone's like, oh yeah, Patrick Queen, playmaker, linebacker. And yeah, he's flash playmaking at linebacker for Baltimore, but he's been more bad than good if you trust BFF in terms of just missing tackles, blowing assignments, getting lost in coverage, that that idea of just you know freelancing, not knowing where you're supposed to be and having all that energy and all that athleticism and not knowing where to point it. None of the rookie linebackers, outside of Michael Walker, who I mentioned for Atlanta in the fourth round, have been very good in the NFL this year, and and that includes the guys on the Bengals. But I don't care. It seems like every year, increasingly, linebacker matters less. I made this comparison that linebacker is to defense as running back is to offense. And linebacker, there, there's an SAT analogy for you, James. But li- linebacker, I think, a little bit more important than running back, but it's not by much. And I'm almost never drafting a running back on you know round one round two anyway i was going to say day one or day two but i think i would still draft a running back in the third round or late second round in some scenarios but same is true for linebacker for me uh logan wilson you know i i like the player and i think i got that one exactly right in the mock draft but that that i did before the draft but i would have liked that to be one round later not that he would have been available because the nfl values linebacker more than i do but uh, where does it rank on my list of concerns? Very low. Is it a strength of the team? No. Do I care? Also, no.
0: <laughs> we suck at that, but guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I like it. I like that logic.
2: At least you do. I'm sure there will be people out there. Man, people get mad when I say linebacker doesn't matter. People people like linebackers, and people really like Vontez Berfic still. There are people out there, I guarantee you, there are people listening to this podcast right now that want Vontez Berfic to wear a helmet and suit up for the Bengals on Sunday. Guarantee it. And uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're not even that wrong, given, given the state of the Bengals defense this year. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast tomorrow. Crossover Thursday coming your way with Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network and also Locked On Dolphins. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.